or 40,000 Rand per month. Search Vodalend online to get started. T's and C's apply. Vodacom Financial Services. Education. Dr. Leanne Browning is my guest, head, head of school uh, of education at Stadio. We're talking about the training of teachers, yeah? Those that must train and teach the minds, the young ma- minds of the people that must ultimately lead society, must operate society. And she joins us now. Dr. Browning, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, what is the paradigm about or, or at least what should it be uh, about uh, with regards to the way that we teach those who must teach? What sort of thinking should guide the way that we develop and train those that must teach um, the next generation? Uh, good evening, um, Aubrey. Thank you for the opportunity to chat to you about um, teacher education in this country and particularly what we do at Stadio in terms of uh, educating our future teachers. I think the critical issue in teacher education and preparing our teachers for the world of work is really understanding the diversity of context within which teachers um, must be prepared uh, to to carry out their diverse roles that they play as a teacher. So it's not just about knowing how to teach the discipline. It's it's uh, sorry, in, and by that I mean maths or geography or history. It's important to know how to manage the classroom, how to engage with the particular challenges in in the schools in which they will eventually find themselves teaching a child. Um, who is part of a community. So if I understand you correctly, Dr. Browning, you're saying to me that the, as much as there needs to be uh, a teaching of uh, the teacher in terms of the subject matter, the, the, the teacher needs to know the subject matter, but really the, the teaching of the teacher is about how to manage that the, the 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 transference of the information about that um, that subject matter in context. Absolutely, um, in in preparing a teacher for the particular classroom where they are going to teach, they need to understand. They need to have a repertoire, a toolbox of skills and knowledge and and attitudes that they're going to draw from in that particular context. So it's, it's our teachers are well prepared with the, we know that the changing, um, rapidly changing context of technology and, uh, and artificial intelligence. So we prepare our students in order to integrate that into their practice. But when they go into a classroom, they have to now decide how they're gonna draw on those resources that approach because doing so in a well-resourced um, a private school as opposed to uh, a school where the, 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 there's a challenge with electricity and no and 100 children in the classroom. So it is absolutely critical that we prepare our teachers as reflective so they're able to uh, consider carefully how to engage with the, the children and the context and that they, they're able to 
um, apply the resources that they have to the context that they are teaching. As a, as a percentage, how much of the teaching of teachers is about the, the subject matter? In other words, if a teacher is going to be a maths teacher, how much of the teaching of the teacher is about teaching them about maths? Yeah, the t- teacher training curricula is is a, re- a highly regulated curricula. So we have a, a policy document that we fondly refer to as Mr. Tech, which was the minimum requirements for teacher education qualifications. And in that, it talks about a variety of knowledge types that the teacher needs. So they need disciplinary knowledge, they need pedagogical knowledge, they need knowledge of the foundations of education and, and so on. And drawing on that, the curriculum is designed to ensure that there is a balance between the various types of knowledge and skills that a teacher needs. So, in fact, recently we had a discussion around the concern around mathematics. And when one looks at the curriculum um, we're probably spending about 20% of the curriculum on the discipline knowledge itself. But then the, when is, one is engaging with the methodology for the discipline, you, you, you're also engaging with the content. So it is more than just that 20%. It's a lot more um, it, you, that is devoted to trying to get teachers prepared for a particular subject or phase that they are teaching. How 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 does what did you call it, Mr. Tech? Is it Mr. Tech? <laughs> yes, Mr. Tech. We call it the, the 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 creation of Mr. Tech, the 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 sort of bible, as it were, for for teacher training. What is it supposed to ultimately deliver? In other words, what does the educated person look like? Right? Uh, is it a person who knows? such a percentage of the of the content the 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 mathematics itself is it a person who is able to have a an intelligent conversation and apply some of the principles of what they've learned in which setting what what does an educated person look like dr browning uh, an effective teacher um or or educator is is someone who has a has a w- wide repertoire of skills because it's mathematics itself is it a person who is able to have a an intelligent conversation and apply some of the principles of what they've learned in which setting what, what does an educated person look like dr browning uh, an effective teacher um, or or educator is is someone who has a has a w- wide repertoire of skills because it, they they have to be someone who has their disciplinary knowledge because you cannot teach a child to read you cannot teach mathematics if you yourself haven't mastered that content knowledge then you you need to understand the various methodologies about how you teach that particular subject, because how we teach literature or reading is very different from how we teach history, for example. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, and then you need to understand the the 
the management of a classroom, a management of a school. So you need a repertoire of skills and knowledge in terms of um, that aspect. And of course, you have to have the attitudes and values that go with being a, an, an effective teacher. You need to be someone who's empathetic and understanding of, of the children in the classroom. You need to be someone who can work collaboratively because teachers don't work on their own. You need to be part of a school and part of a community and you need to understand the importance of that. And I think that this, the, you know, with that um, combination of knowledge types and skills, we can at least we, when someone leaves an a, a institution such as Stadia, they are, they are beginner teachers. We have to understand that. So the, the other aspect is the critical aspect is they must also be lifelong learners because what we equip someone when they enter the world of work is with the basics to begin to learn and grow. And we need, they need to continue to research, to grow, and to study in order to continue to be an effective teacher in this rapidly changing world that yeah. we live in. Yeah. I imagine that is a bone of contention, the idea that, listen, um, you've gone through our course material here at Stadio. We've given you the basics. Um, you are not yet, I suppose... Uh, a teacher or an experienced teacher. You you know the basics. You are uh, aware of the administrative requirements of um, of imparting the knowledge that you have in the context of a classroom, uh, in a context of a school, in a context of a rapidly changing society uh, in many, many different ways. Uh, but you are not yet, you're not yet qualified? I think what I'm saying is, is that you, you have the foundations to go into the classroom because remember a critical part of, of all our curricula at Stadio, we have 45,000 students, um, 90 qualifications that we offer via contact learning and distance learning. And the link to the world of work is, is central to to our qualifications. So in teacher education, a critical part of their training is that they spend time, what we call teaching practice, um, where in the schools, because what they learn at the at university or in um, in the classroom, in the lecture theatres or online, in, or in their study material, they have to take that into practice. So spending time in the classroom during their, their teacher training is absolutely essential. So we are confident that when our students graduate, they can go into the classroom and they have a, 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 a sound repertoire of skills to be able to be effective teachers. But that's not where it, where it stops. And I think that's where continuing professional development is critical and, and where the teachers continue to, through through SAFE, their professional body, they continue to um, acquire professional um, development points as they continue on their journey uh, from beginner teachers to experienced 
teachers where they will one day mentor our students when we send them into the classroom because mentors in the school are an essential part of effective teacher education. So I'm sure you can understand the challenges there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are are, are there lots of young people opting to become teachers or at least go into the the programs that you offer at Stadio to become teachers. It, it, I, mean, I remember there was a time when uh, the teaching profession was highly respected and aspirational. I remember, I remember that time. It happened in my uh, lifetime. But, but over the years, it, it appears to me that teaching, uh, particularly for, you know, uh, school teaching, is no longer as popular as it may have been maybe 20, 30 years ago. Uh, is there still an appetite by youngsters to, to become teachers? I, I would say yes. I think the challenge is not so much the, the desire to be a teacher. We have 10,000 students in our school of education at the moment um, in, in both our um, contact learning and distance learning. So there's definitely um, an interest and a desire to become a, a teacher from many of our students. Some of them are, are not sure, particularly those who maybe take on the, the postgraduate certificates in education. They may be not sure that they want to be a teacher, but part of our job is to convince them that this is the most important um, job in the world. And I, I would concur with you that, I, that teaching is no longer seen as um, it, with the same value that it did many years ago. Uh, I, and I think there's a there's a complexity of of issues that have given rise to that. But we we work hard at um, ensuring that the teacher profession is is valued and respected. Why do you think the propensity to to want to go and teach, to go into a classroom or a lecture hall, to literally teach, has lost its savour? I, I think there's a range of reasons. Um, I would say that uh, it's a challenging environment in which to work now. If we look at many of the um, uh, challenges that we have in our schools, whether it's children's behavior, lack of resources, um, and, and so on, it's definitely a challenging place to teach. I, I think there's also a, a desire to pursue Jobs that are seen to give us more money and more status. Uh, you know, people, the, the students want to be lawyers and doctors and, and such, such like, where they, they think that the status and the money, um, but long term, it's, it's about personal satisfaction. And certainly for me, it's about understanding the importance of making a difference in this world. And that's one profession where I know you make a huge difference. Those children that are in the classroom, you can, you might be just that one person who inspires them, who gives them a word of comfort when they're struggling. And um, I think that that is, for me, why I consider it the most important job in the world. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt at all. Uh, it it, it boggles my mind, Dr. Browning, that this very important career, this important 
um, profession doesn't, I suppose, receive the kind of publicity, the kind of respect, the kind of support that it ought to have given uh, the role it plays in uh, in the development of human beings, but also in the assisting of the economy to thrive at some point or the other. Um, and, and so the question then becomes, of the 10,000 students at Stadio who are in the education department, how many, on the basis of your own um, monitoring of trends, will actually leave and become teachers in a classroom? I would say that we, we're looking at 70 to 80% of, of our students find um, employment early on after leaving um, the, the institution. But I think it's important to know that a, that a, a large percentage of our, of our students are also either teaching assistants in schools or unqualified teachers, particularly in our postgraduate certificates in education. We have existing um, unqualified teachers who are are getting credentialed through through us. So I'm I'm confident that we are serving um, a, a, need, a need in this country for teachers. I, I think that there are niche areas where we definitely need teachers, like maths and sciences, and particularly now in the languages where we see the 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 growth in the understanding that we need to look at mother tongue um, instruction in the classroom and the need for teachers that who, who have home language um, uh, competence in the classroom. So that is our contribution. Yeah. yeah. Have many of the vernacular uh, indigenous languages come to a point where they can uh be used in the instruction of science philosophy mathematics uh in the way that would prepare a child for the modern world yeah that's that's a wicked what i call a wicked problem it's a it's a really complex one but in in my view whether we have the answer to that or not it's something that we have to better understand um, because of the the need for us to in, um, address that crisis that we have, particularly at the foundation phase, where children need to um, learn in their in their home language and lay the foundations. If they move into the high school and they, they the language of teaching and learning shifts to the dominant language um, in the in the economy, then um, we've at least laid the critical foundations in terms of the um, teaching and learning that needs to take place. What is what is the theoretical basis of that? I mean, um, I suppose from from the position of one who speaks other languages other than English, uh, other than uh, the love of language, the love of being able to communicate with with people in their language, and the fact that I understand that meaning is deepened uh, when I speak your language and I'm trying to sort of communicate an idea to you, uh, that mm-hmm. meaning is made 
that much deeper if I speak it in your language. But you've just pointed out that there are certain languages that are economically more dominant in any economy mm-hmm. like English uh, in this mm-hmm. country or maybe Afrikaans in, in other contexts. W- what is the theoretical thinking behind foundational education and mother tongue instruction? Um, what, what, is the, what is the thinking there? I, I'll tell you this. Most people, particularly in townships, may speak a version of a vernacular language, but it is no longer the pure language as it is spoken perhaps in the rural areas. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hybrid type of, of Zulu, for example, or a hybrid type mm-hmm. of Sepedi or hybrid type. So I'm, I'm interested to understand in the real world, what is the theoretical understanding behind foundational face mother tongue learning i think that what what we trying to understand there is that how children think theoretically using language is is critical in understanding how they are going to learn and so we and there there is a lot of research that needs to be done around the the um, importance of ensuring that children um, study in their home language, learn in their home language um, in the the foundation phase, and that they are then introduced to uh, their another the first traditional language, which is often um, if we're talking about. Um, the, the African languages, then it would be in, in English um, in, as their first additional language. Give me a call, 011-883-0702. Theoretically, I get the idea behind mm-hmm. uh, mother tongue instruction, particularly at, at, at foundation phase. But we have a very interesting reality, particularly in the urban township areas, mm-hmm. which is slightly different from the more rural areas um, where a particular language will still be spoken in, I suppose, the more, um, more, more standardized form, in the more, uh, in the more, so if you, if you, if you go to Leboa, Leboa Khomu, if you go to uh, parts of Limpopo or maybe Pumalang um, or Wazulu Natal, the, the Zulu spoken in those areas is perhaps a more, original form of the Zulu. But if you go to Mamelodi, you go to Soweto, you go to... Uh, the Zulu spoken there is probably a different kind of Zulu. And my interest in this conversation is that we're talking about mother tongue in- instruction. Is the mother tongue instruction... And by the way, this is a question for you too as you listen to this conversation. Particularly those of us who are big proponents of the idea of mother tongue instruction. W- which mother tongue... Are we teaching in Josie? Which which mother tongue mm-hmm. are we teaching in Gauteng? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What what is what is the what is the theoretical basis for that? I'm I'm interested because I, I get it if you are in in um, in uh, in Eastern Cape somewhere and the instruction is is close. I get it, right? If you are in uh, Limpopo and the in the language of instruction there is Sepedi, I get it. If you are Living in uh, Guazulu Natal, and the, the 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 basic language of mother tongue instruction uh, foundation faces Zulu. I get it. I'm I'm interested to understand 
how you do that in in Gauteng. What does that mean? Give me a call. I'd like to hear from you. 011-883-0702. The reason why I asked that question, uh, Dr. Browning, is it appears to me that the education in this country is thirsty for a real relevance. Um, it, it, it appears to me that we need to be teaching people about real world realities rather than ideas about the world that may not necessarily be connected to the real world. So, for example, if we are going to teach mother tongue instruction in Gauteng, which one? And, and, and how, do we, how do we determine that? Who, who gets to make that decision? Uh, if we're going to teach robotics, why? If we're going to teach um, whatever subjects that we're going to teach, what is the basis for that? And I say that because many people argue that we churn out graduates or people with wonderful credentials, but they are unable to find jobs. And the reason for that is because there's no congruence. There's no alignment mm-hmm. with what is required mm-hmm. in the real world and what is being taught in our uh, institutions of, of higher learning. Uh, talk to that for me. I, I would agree with you 100%. And I think that's why the connection in, the, in our curricula with the world of work and engagement when we are in, um, preparing our curricula in, with, with industry partners. So at Stadio, we have invested a lot of time in making sure that we have partnerships in, and not only in education, our partnerships are with the schools where our students are being prepared to teach, yeah. but in all our other qualifications. So we have program stakeholder committees where we consult members of industry about what it is that our, our students need in order to ensure that they are prepared for the world of work. So it, 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 for me, it's in the design of the curricula and understanding the, the context within which um, you are sending our, your graduates out to. Let's take some uh, calls. Tabo is in Amanskral. Good evening to you, Tabo. Yeah, evening. But I hope that it's a fascinating topic again. Thank you, sir. Um, uh, let me start by saying, you know, um, I actually want to understand. I'm in education, but it's so quite frustrating to, to see the way the curriculum is so different issue of la mother tongue language and um, uh, what determines the school to say this is Setuana school what is it what criteria are, are they actually using are they using the demographics of 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 the bantu area the history of bantu of which we are in the demo, new dispensation are we still looking at this is a, a, a Setuana dominated area or Buputazwan or Northwest or Northern Watwat. And that, which is actually one thing that is frustrating to me, which is the observation also. Uh, teachers are appointed to teach Setswana. You find that that person has got a qualification in majors in Northern Soto, but is teaching Setswana. And that leads to the, the distortion of language, the quality of languages. Uh, a Setswana person cannot participate because the, the language is not the same. 
And then uh, if he teaches, if he, the, the, the kids will be saying, Wangwa, Wangwa, instead of Wangutwa. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, it's, it's something that you just highlighted, Praobza. The dishing out of, of, of subject content is being compromised by paperwork. Most of the teachers are spending mm-hmm. a lot. We are actually spending a lot of time doing paperwork more than improving and acquiring and doing references to increase the subject content. Thank you. Tabo Namaskar, thanks very much for your call. And I suppose that could be true, not just for languages. I, I suppose it could be true for any other subject, right, uh, Dr. Browning? What, yes, what informs? Absolutely. What informs the decision to teach a particular subject, uh, whether it, whether whether it is a language in what we would term mother tongue instruction? You know, whenever whenever we talk about mother tongue instruction. Um, it, it probably makes sense in a setting where people are are sort of monocultural. So if, if you if you go to to KwaZulu Natal, generally speaking, most of the people there are Zulu. Mm. Uh, if you go to to uh, to Limpopo, generally speaking, the people there will speak Sepedi or Chivenda or but but it's easy to locate. But in the more cosmopolitan areas. Um, where, where mom is, is Zulu and dad is colored. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, where, what, what is the basis of mother tongue instruction in settings such as that? Or do we then default to English or Afrikaans? Um, what is the thinking behind that? The thinking is, is that we, we need to recognize the complexity of the, the um, need to lay the, the critical foundations in um, our young children um, as they learn. So we, we have to balance that against. And South Africa is, is a, a, a diverse and complex um, place. And in implementing these policies, we have to, as you are absolutely rightly pointing out, that it becomes, whilst at a theoretical level, we understand what is needed. But the complexity of the implementation mm-hmm. is, is, our, is our challenge. So it becomes that it's not easy at a policy and implement, implementation level to be able to come up with a one-size-fits-all approaches to it. So I would... Uh, the, the, in particular context, you would have to look at who your feeder children are, where they are coming from. And, and in a well-resourced society, you would be able to then ensure that you have the different classes to accommodate children learning um, in, in, in their mother tongue. But we know that that is an even bigger challenge yeah. in this country when there are so many competing um, needs in terms of ensuring a, a successful society. Yeah, yeah. And and from Stadio's point of view, is that is that part of the teaching sort of trajectory that says, uh, we know that we're getting uh, students from this particular area, 
uh, the the economic need in that particular area happens to be this, and therefore we're going to teach this, or is it just a matter of people coming and saying this is what I want to learn, um, and I will then go to wherever the opportunities for work are. Yes, in terms of our languages, we we currently have um, a number of languages that we ask student teachers study at the Pedi, Setswana, Isikosa, Sitsonga, um, English and Afrikaans that we offer as languages. And we ask students study home language or first additional language and then they all have to do a language conversational. And the reality is, is in preparing our teachers to teach those languages, we, we do struggle sometimes to find the schools where they can be placed to teach those, um, those subjects. But ultimately, they, they go away equipped to teach more than one subject. So depending on the school that they go into, they will then um, teach. Uh, the, the previous caller's comment about someone teaching a language when they actually haven't studied the teaching of the language is absolutely pertinent because we, we approach the development of language teaching initially thinking that there was just a, a centralized theory and a, an approach to teaching a language. And then we realized that each culture and methodology that underpins each language is critical. So we now have the variety of subjects that are taught completely separately by the, the, the lecturers in the particular language. And then the literacy and methodology modules that align to that are also taught by those language specialists. So we're doing our bit to yeah. prepare our, yeah. our, our, our students for this really complex challenge that we face in South Africa. Mashita says, Aubrey, it's northern Sutu. Sepedi is a small dialect spoken mostly in Sukukuna area. Uh, for example, you can't uh, be saying Balubedu speaks Sepedi, they speak Silubedu. Mm-hmm. Uh, even mm-hmm. Google Translate, you'll never find a language called Sepedi, and that's from Mashita. I didn't know that, Mashita. I've no, always, I didn't. Yeah, I've, always, I've, always, I've always known that there is a, a, a language and a culture called Bopedi Sepedi, uh, but uh, maybe there's something there we need to learn. Uh, somebody mm. please give us a call, mm-hmm. educate us. We'd love to learn a little bit more about that. I, uh, I, I've understood that there is a language called Sepedi. Certainly uh, there is a subject that they study in school. Yes. And, um, you know, that our students are prepared to teach. But I, I'd love our headers. Yeah, sure. So um, Mashita, please. African languages yeah. to, to have a conversation, yeah. um, this conversation about yeah. um, mother tongue yeah. uh, teaching. Interesting. So please, Mashita, I, I'm, 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 I'm intrigued by what you've got to say. But the same question would be true for other subjects, Dr. Browning. One of the big issues is, and I did touch on it, the the idea that there are certain imperatives needed or certain subject expertise, skills needed by our economy. And we find very often that people come out of colleges, come out of universities, come out of TVET colleges and so forth with a particular credential and are unable to use that particular credential in the commercial world, in the, in the real sort of world. Is there enough conversation talking, I mean, going on between commerce, the 
commerce and academia is so that we can have i don't know a more a more aligned way of producing skills in this country from our from our institutions of of learning I can certainly speak uh, about um, Stadia and how we approach that. So in all our faculties, Commerce, the School of Commerce included, um, we, when we are developing a new qualification, we engage with our stakeholders in, in the workplace. We, we have advisory boards where we bring people from industry into the, um, the, the conversation who interrogate and give us advice around the proposed curriculum. Then as we continue to teach the um, qualification once it's accredited um, by the necessary regulatory bodies, we then continue engaging with our industry partners in the world of work. So we bring, as I said, we bring them into program stakeholder committees, we, in our School of Fashion, for example, they actually work with people in the industry to help design assessment tasks that are, are valuable to particular um, industry partners. And so we, it, it's core to the approach and values, the mission and vision of Stadio to prepare our students for the world of work, because we recognize exactly what you're saying is that there are many graduates who leave university and who are unable to find a job. And is it working? Is that I arrangement working? I, I believe it is. I believe it is. And I, and I think there's evidence that says it is. But of course, it's an ongoing challenge because if they're, as I say, with wicked problems. So we can produce these graduates who have the skills. But if the economy is such that there isn't mm. places for them to get a job, then that, that despite everything that we do, um, it's not going, we can't guarantee that they're going to find a job. I think recently I read about, you know, doctors, the country saying we, we need doctors. There's a shortage of doctors, but then you hear that there are doctors who can't Absolutely. find a, a placement because there isn't the resources to employ them. What do you call it? A wicked, a wicked what? It's a wicked problem. A wicked problem. It's a, it's, it's a term we use in academia to say where they, they are, it's a complex um, interaction between a number of factors. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's very difficult to unravel and if you change one, you know, what is the implication if you change, don't change another and so on. Mashid has just called us, uh, calling us from uh, Swartdruchens uh, to give us a little more education around this BAD North Sutu uh, conversation. Uh, go ahead, uh, Mashid, good evening to you. Hi, good evening, Aubrey. Yeah, yeah. look, there seems to be a, a bit of confusion which actually frustrates most of us uh, who come from Limpopo. For example, not everybody who comes from Limpopo speaks um, Sipedi. So Sipedi is a very small dialect that you get within the umbrella of Northern Soto. So Northern Soto would include different languages or different dialects, rather. Um, dialects such as uh, Sipedi. Sipedi is one of them. It has become very popular. In fact, if you go to apartheid museum and you see how people were classified, you will see that they would say Northern Soto, Pedi, underneath. And if, let's say, for example, you come from Matala, you'd be Mukoni. 
so that's how it works. So if if, if you go to Zanini, you'd find Balwedi people. If you are around the Shero area, the language that is most spoken by Julius. If if you 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 pay attention to detail, Julius does not speak like people from. Who's Julia, which Julius? The politician. Julius Malema. Okay. The politician. Yeah. I'm just using that as a benchmark because everybody knows him. So the kind of language he speaks. It's more of what we have done at school when we're learning Northern Sotho. So when you go further up... Um, what is Northern like, Sotho in, 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 in the vernacular? In vernacular? Yes. I, 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 we just called ourselves Basut, uh, Basut Valeboa. When I, in, in fact, this thing of being called Pedi, it's something that I just learned here in Joburg. In, in, in Limpopo, if you go there, somebody will tell you I'm Sotho. That's how it has always been. But, but for the past 20 years or something, it looks like we've lost that thing of people from Limpopo being called well, Northern Sotho well, people. Well, 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 well uh, if, if, if what you're saying to me is that not everybody who's, who, lives, who comes from Limpopo speaks Sepedi or a form of Northern Sotho that is known as Sepedi, I absolutely yes. agree with you. Because, because uh, there are people who speak... Sitonga, uh, people who speak, uh, who speak Selobedu, people who speak Chivenda. There's many different languages in that geographical space. Absolutely not, agree with you. Not even. So you've got Songa, which is independent from Northern Sotho. You've got Songa Venda, which is, which are independent from Northern Sotho. And then within uh, the Northern Sotho, you, you would have different dialects. Sure. Um, for example, if, 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 I mean, even if you go to Google Trans, Translate right now and you say Spedi, they'll tell you. Yeah, but, there's but, no but, such but, language. But, but, but we, 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 can't, we can't rely on, on Google. No, no, no. I'm mm-hmm. just giving you an example because it's what has always been. So this thing of just suddenly Spedi swallowing everything that comes from Limpopo, it's very but unfortunate. That, but that, that's, that's not what we said. We said. We said that if you were to come from... Uh, Limpopo and the language of instruction there was Sepedi, it would yes. be understandable. That yes. is different from saying that everybody in Limpopo speaks Sepedi. Of course. But the point I'm trying to understand from you is this. Yes. Are you saying to me that there is no such language as Sepedi? There, there is such language oh. as Sepedi. It exists mostly in Skuni area. So you can't find Sepedi in Matala area or in Zanin. You find the languages, the dialects that are spoken there. Mashite, thank you so much for the education. Much appreciated. Um, Dr. Browning, uh, as, as we close, as we close, the power of education and educators comes from their ability to produce people that are going to take us forward in terms of intellectual pursuits, commercial pursuits, philosophical pursuits, whatever the pursuits may be. Uh, do you think that we are doing that? We are ready for the challenges of the new world, as it were, with the kind of people that we are producing coming from the teaching space? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question to answer and doesn't have a a definitive answer to it. I believe that we there is a, the um, intention, there's the commitment in the, the teacher education profession to 
constantly engage with and challenge and and with that challenge about how do we produce teachers. I certainly believe that our curricula we ha- and the, the, our approach to teacher education and study means that we we are doing a, a, a significant amount to ensure that our teachers are well prepared. And I think that you know they need to also have the values, the ethics, the attitudes because they are producing the future citizens of this country. And they, they themselves have to role model the kind of behavior that they expect their, from, from their learners. So it's, it's, of course, in any profession, you have your, your uh, standards that you want to set and maintain. You have your teacher training. And then, of course, we rely significantly on the professional teacher professional body to also pay their part, play their part in ensuring that our teachers um, are effective within the schools and classrooms. Mm, mm. Uh, the, the, the big challenge, of course, is the economic real- realities that make mm-hmm. people stay as teachers or move on to other <laughs> careers. And, you know, the challenge being, of course, is there enough money? Uh, is there enough prestige? And... Uh, and and status associated with the teaching profession. Do you think we are about at some point to turn the corner to make more people want to be teachers? We're working hard at that, and I think at Stadio, the fact that we're attracting so many students who want to study to become teachers, and I certainly know in in, in both public and private sector, there's a there's a significant demand for these qualifications. So it, it's, but there's work to be done and there's work that we need to continue doing in terms of ensuring that as a profession, it is recognized for the, the important place that it has in society. Dr. Leanne Browning, how do people get in touch with you? I am, uh, I work at Stadio School of Education and they can, they can email me. Is that what you're asking? Yes, Aubrey? absolutely. So if somebody wants they, to get in touch with you, wants to send they you, can, yeah. They can email me at Leanne B. So it's L-E-A-N-N-E-B at stadio.ac.z.